Podcast, a podcast designed to be a resource to pastors and men's ministry leaders alike as they build out an engaging ministry with their men. Why do we do this? Well, we do it because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically based man of God. Act Like Men podcast is sponsored by Men's Ministry Catalyst a ministry in its 41st year and designed to do exactly what we just said, guide church leadership as they build out an engaging ministry with their men. Good day, everyone. My name is Wendell Morton. I am the Executive Director of Men's Ministry Catalyst. It's great to have you here today. I also want to introduce you to my co-host, Dale Udy. Hi, Dale. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, Wendell. I'm so looking forward to hearing Dr. Grassi tell us about where it all began. Amen. Today, we are blessed, as Dale alluded, to have uh, the founder and president of the board of Men's Ministry Catalyst with us today, Dr. Jim Grassi. Jim has a lot of accolades behind, before, and above his name. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame fisherman. He's a record bow hunter. He's written, seven, he's written 18 books, 18th about to be published. And ultimately, God changed his life. And he started what we now know today as Men's Ministry Catalyst. So we're excited to have uh, Dr. Jim on the call with us today. Um, Jim, Dr. J Dr. Grassi, why don't you just share for those who may not know, and I, I'm not sure who that would be, but for those who may not know you and your background, growing up years, early career, some of the things that have happened in your life that they would be interested in. Well, first of all, it's a privilege to be with you and Dale, uh, two of my favorite people in men's ministry. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, yeah, I grew up in East Oakland during a tumultuous time in uh, that area of the country. And uh, through those early experiences in life, uh, there were many things I had to learn about uh, relationships and getting along with folks. and. Um, a number of things like that. I met my wife in high school and mm. we married five years after I met her. And uh, I had a number of jobs in the Bay Area. I was a park administrator for 10 years and then a city manager for 10 years. And um, through those experiences, I uh, realized that uh, a lot of the guys like myself grew up with a, uh, a kind of a distorted image of what uh, Christianity might be and what certainly uh, how we define success. Uh, my dad was a blue collar worker. He grew up in a very dysfunctional family. Uh, he had no notion, nor did my mom, who also grew up in a dysfunctional family of what parenting was all about. And here they have this firstborn male on either side of the family Ooh. with a distinct uh, uh, inquisitive mind and uh, a uh, uh, desire to, to slay the world. And uh, they, uh, they were really challenged, I'm sure. But uh, that all that led to um, 
realizing that there were things in my life which were right and that uh, uh, most importantly, God was calling me to to uh, look at my life uh, through his perspective rather than my own. Quite a story, Dale. I know that uh, um, as we've gotten to know Dr. Grassi, it's been uh, interesting to see based on what he describes as his history, how we know his present and how what we believe to be his future. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a work of God, as, as you've seen in many other people as well. Right, Dale? That's right. You know, and again, Jim start in nature itself and, and organizing that park and then leading in the city. Uh, yeah. Obviously, his leadership skills came out real early in his ministry. That's for sure. That is that's a fact. Jim, I know you've um, you had a, a major transformation period in your life. Things that led up to that, even with all the success you had and married to a, a wonderful, sweet lady and a couple of uh, young boys. Uh, do you want to describe any of that? Tell us what happened. Sure. I Again, as I said, I, I had a wrong perspective of what success might be. I was looking at it from a worldly standpoint because many of my colleagues uh, were very successful men, and it was about having more, uh, building bigger, uh, uh, outdoing the neighbors. Uh, it was about possessions and power, fame and fortune. And I got hooked on that. And uh, so my career blossomed very quickly uh, because of the uh, education I had and master's degree in business and on and on. And um, as I pursued uh, fishing and hunting and uh, TV and uh, teaching at a college part time and all these things, that uh, I thought were so important to build a career and build a name that I was really striving to, to be important rather than do what was important. Mm. And so um, in 1978, my wife said, I looked at your busy calendar and I found a weekend you weren't doing anything. And we're, I signed us up for a parenting conference. And I go, who wants to go to that? You're doing a great job, honey. You know, <laughs> because she was doing most of the work. She was doing the heavy lifting. I was the absentee father or what I call a flashlight parent. I'd come in uh, at after night meetings that I'd have and get the flashlight on in their bedroom and see how these twins were growing and what they were doing and believe that having quality time was enough that, you know, whether we went fishing or uh, whatever we did, we did well and heartily and uh, with great vigor. <laughs> and then uh, th then they wouldn't see me for a few days because uh, I was trying to be important. And so we went to this conference. Uh, Jim Dobson was a speaker. He was early in his ministry. And I left that conference a changed man. I no longer saw life as trying to be important, but to do what was important. So everything that I just mentioned of my past, uh, I quit cold turkey. I remember writing uh, personal letters to 24 sponsors I had in the fishing industry saying I was no longer going to be doing TV and uh, fishing tournaments and 
trying to uh, uh, essentially um, uh, be uh, involved in, in promoting their brands, that the brand I was going to be promoting was Jesus Christ, and that um, he had led me to start a new ministry called Let's Go Fishing to uh, help equip and challenge men that were just like me, guys that were broken, that had the wrong sense of priorities, and that it would be a father-son ministry. And it was interesting that about 20 of those sponsors came back and said, no, you're doing something that we actually uh, commend. There's enough pro fishermen out there. We want to continue to sponsor you. So that was amazing. That's amazing. That's great. That's great, Jim. Um, and I know you uh, you went through a transition period. of uh, You left the park wreck. You went to the city. You started the ministry. Talk to me about some of the early days. What what were you doing from a ministry standpoint? How did how did that develop? And um, what kind of support did you have? Not just financially, but you know, people that would come alongside of you to try to help you. I already mentioned twenty of the sponsors stayed with you. What else happened there? Well, I soon uh, um, found that uh, fishing for fish and doing sports shows and uh, I mean being in front of crowds of five ten thousand people uh, still doing my fishing thing I even know that most of the funds went into the ministry was not really what my calling was my calling was to be a fisher of men Matthew 4 19 mm-hmm. uh, when Jesus said come follow me and I will make you fishers of men and uh, so I uh, pretty much began to drop all the, the fishing components, uh, fishing for fish, that is, including sports show appearances and all that kind of thing, which was early part of our ministry. But uh, probably the most tran- transformational experience was that in uh, 1981, when our ministry first started, I found out I had a non-malignant brain tumor uh, that was five centimeters pressing on my brainstem, causing my heart to stop. And I had to go in for a major surgery, nine and a half hours, and then a three and a half hour follow-up surgery. And I mean, tell you, when you're 37 and they're having you sign papers saying you may not make it, and I'm going, but gee, God, I just found out the real secret of life, and that's a relationship with you and being right. the great husband and father that you've uh, uh, told us to be and in your word. And here I am about ready to check out and uh, to hug those twins, uh, twin boys that we had for the last uh, uh, time, I thought, and going to the hospital and undergoing that surgery uh, was transformational and it just underscored everything that God had told me about, um, life and about living and priorities and balance and what truly is success. And that's, uh, following God's plan for your life. That's great. Good story there. I love how God got a hold of you. It was a 360 pivot in your life. You recognize going into a, a, a weekend that this is who I am or this is what I do, and I'm not sure I really need to be here. Walking out, 
no, if I don't make some serious changes, you know, God is not going to be a, a happy man with me. So good for you for doing that. And um, thank God the surgery went well and you've, uh, you've lived uh, a tremendously full life and uh, a lot more to come. So we're, we're, we're ble- uh, grateful for all that. We're blessed with the result. I, uh, I remember uh, Wendell um, after my surgery and during recovery, reading that verse in the Bible that Paul wrote when he was uh, going through a lot of uh, suffering, a lot of physical uh stress. We don't know exactly all the things he had, but uh, he said, I I would like to uh, live on, uh, but if I am to do so, I want to do so for the Lord. And he basically underscored the fact that he said it would be better to go home and be with Jesus. But if I am to live on, I want to make my life count. And so I took uh, the passion, the wisdom God gave me, the experiences he's given me uh, to uh, underscore those and to live on and to uh, try to do it for God's, uh, for the glory of God rather than the glory to myself. What a great insight, Jim, you know, that that aspect of kind of humbling before God and realizing the way I've been doing it has been my way. I want to focus on your way. And and the overall thought is I'm still glad Jesus calls fishermen to follow him. Amen. 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 Let's do a pause, a pause, uh, the the dog on dogs out here. I got my door closed and she's barking. And that can be done. So Jim, I know one of the, fun things you had early on was your sons to be involved with you. I know they're both musicians. Talk a little bit about that. What was that like as a dad? And, and um, you give some hope to some men who don't have their kids involved in their lives. Yeah. As, as a youth, I wasn't musically inclined at all. I tried six different instruments, couldn't play any of them. Well, <laughs> and so, um, but I had an ear for music. And I love music. I loved uh, taking uh, in college music appreciation classes and all that. And uh, so uh, God blessed us with twins after we'd lost two uh, before birth. And come to find out at an early age, I noticed that these boys had a unique harmony. Uh, They'd sing along with Bert and Ernie records initially. And then... (laughs) Uh, it got into country music and we'd be working on my boat, polishing my boat, and they'd be singing these country songs in perfect harmony. And I realized that was a gift from God. I thought they, I was hoping they'd be an athlete because I never had a chance to do that. I started working when I was 13 uh, to get out of the city. Uh, But uh, I could, I knew that they had a gift. And so we uh, embraced that gift. God used it. By the time uh, we started the ministry, uh, they were 11. And uh, they were already doing, uh, leading the worship uh, time. And it wasn't just uh, a cute thing. They were actually doing it and doing it well. And 
they had a lot of coaching from some excellent uh, Christian uh, artists and uh, worship leaders. And I'm proud to say that uh, God blessed them. And both those boys now are songwriters, uh, have been at Carnegie Hall twice, uh, lead uh, two different uh, churches, uh, mega churches in their worship. And they do a great job. But uh, they were a big part of our ministry. And uh, we did, a, I think it was 142 father-child conferences uh, oh. during their uh, first part of the ministry, 142 at different conference centers up and down California. And uh, uh, the boys did a lot of those with me. In fact, we sort of stopped doing them. Uh, when they went off to college, because uh, the modeling of a, a dad who preached and had a heart of loving his kids yeah. and the kids loving their dad and using their gifts in ministry together was powerful. And we would tell people we're not perfect. We we have our bad times and bad days, as but we were real and authentic and transparent. So people saw us that when we work together for the Lord, not for ourselves, but for the Lord, uh, the impact that had on others. And so consequently, we saw several fathers and sons uh, try to emulate that model in their relationship. And that that's a God thing for sure. That's a great story, Jim. I'm, I'm glad you took time to share that because um you know, a lot of a lot of dads don't have that kind of a connection, or something's happened in that relationship, and uh, or maybe there's no dad in the picture. And uh, so, great modeling and uh, great encouragement for all of us who who have children. And uh, I think that's an important factor. Um, hey, hey, uh, if ahead. I could just interrupt. Uh, in Proverbs, uh, there's that verse. Proverbs twenty two sixteen, I believe it is. It says, train up the child the way yep. he should go when he's old not depart. And oftentimes yep. uh, we misunderstand what that proverb, which isn't a, a covenant or isn't a contract, but because we know great dads that have had kids go sideways and we've seen fatherless homes where kids end up good. And it's a, a God thing and a spirit thing. But uh, I just like to say that it's important. I wanted my kids to be athletes because I never had that experience. And I loved athletics. Uh, I wanted to play football and all this. I, I just couldn't do it because of uh, the need to raise money to get out of the city, so to speak. But God had a different plan for him. And so training up the child the way he should go or she means find out what God has in plan uh, in store for that young person and help cultivate that uh, dream, that those aspirations versus trying to make them into something that we want them to be. You know, my forte was business and management and all that. And uh, it would have made sense to try to uh, create a situation where the boys would follow our ministry and take over the leadership and all that, but that wasn't their gifting. And so we have to explore what it is that God has in store for our kids. Very good. That's very, very good. 
One of the statistics we talk about as we wrap up uh, this session is that there are a lot of children end up in trouble because there's an absent father or no father in their life. What did uh, Let's Go Fishing do to address some of that early on? Well, one of the things we did, we put two single parent moms on our board of directors for guidance and for uh, understanding their hearts and how hard it is for a woman to try to raise kids, especially a son. Uh, secondly, in our country today, uh, 50, over 50% of the young people will be raised in a home and there's no biological father. In the inner cities where I came from, that number is 72%. And so when there's no father in the home, uh, and and let's also say that there are some dads who are at home, but they're not there. Uh, yeah. They're either abusive or they're not participating in the father process yeah. of the 50% or so that uh, are staying at home. Uh, we have a lot of broken kids, a lot of kids with father wounds. And so consequently, it's really important that we wrap our minds around what is biblical manhood. How do we act like men? How do we raise our young boys and girls to be ambassadors for the Lord? And that's one of the key things that our ministry does, Men's Ministry Catalyst, is to help equip, inspire, uh, encourage men, especially men, to be those uh, loving fathers that kids need today. That's great. Thank you, Jim. Listen, it's been fun to have you on uh, this session. Uh, we're going to do another session, uh, which will air uh, in two weeks. So we look forward to having uh, those of you who are listening today. Join us again in a couple weeks, and we'll have part two of this uh, discussion with uh, the founder, Dr. Jim Grassi. Um, certainly, uh, if you want to get a hold of uh, Jim or want to get a hold of any of the materials, just go to the website at mensministrycatalyst.org. And if you want resources, it's forward slash resources. Just a reminder that our episodes are launched on the first and third Thursdays of every month. If you've not yet subscribed, you can do so on the website or wherever you consume your, your local podcast. Um, thank you again for joining. You are the reason we exist. We do all this for pastors and leaders of men, again, because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God.